Welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, your real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining me here, a man eating Halloween candy corn, even though we are recording this episode before Halloween, Michigan State President, Glenn Fitzgerald. I'm eating this, this Halloween candy before Halloween. Yes. But when people listen to This it, is really my fault. It could be Halloween. It could be really, Halloween. Really in, opened a barn door on this one. In the year 3000. It's hard to know. <laughs> I'd like to apologize to the listener. You don't hear it when we record it. I take full responsibility. It's beamed into the future. Yes, yeah. it certainly is. Also joining us, a man whose uh, fascination with the temporal nature of this podcast is not quite match lens, Michigan USA Director, Michigan USA Productions Director, Jed Brewer. Halloween is evil and occult and bad, and you're eating nasty, evil candy. Wow. It's devil candy. Right. Tastes delicious, so. Devil candy. Thinking of switching sides. <laughs> <laughs> it said he would come as an angel of sugar. I mean, so, Easter candy can't really hold a candle to this. So. Well, there you go. That's a controversial statement comparing chocolate to candy corn. <laughs> also, joining us all the way from Mercury, Tennessee, a man who will hopefully say something pleasant to save us from the sacrilegious nature of this opening, <laughs> one of the pastors of Crash Community Church, Lee Younger. Actually, I have something really creepy to say. A guy Fair came up to me at the church this morning and said, Hey, I just want to thank you guys for making the, the podcast. I, I love hanging out with you. That creeps then, me out, too. And then he said... <laughs> oh, you're not there yet. Then he said, You guys are always in my car with me. Whoa. Wow. And I was like, Okay, I don't understand the nature of podcasting. I don't understand everything that goes into it. But I'm pretty sure us getting kidnapped by this dude is not part of what I signed up for, Matt. We that's, should be together that's forever. Literally, Lee. what you signed up for. Read your contract. Forever <laughs> and ever. I have problems with our corporeal uh, beings being here, but our spirit being projected onto an astral plane. Not so much spirit as recording of our voice. Do you feel like this has taken a, a piece of your soul, Glenn? Yeah. Is this so- why you get weird when people take your picture? Yeah. Yeah, oh. they steal your your spirit, and it goes in the camera. Yeah, sure, it gets trapped. Yeah, I you, mean, we're trapped in this dude's car right now. You have soul That's ties true. with every person who has ever listened to this podcast. Yes. Wow, you've given away a piece of yourself with every play. <laughs> That's almost not stupider than the actual soul ties thing. <laughs> but here's what I'm saying: ah. I declare the magazine. Okay. Wow. Almost nearly knocked down some furniture when I Yeah, even that. though this is uh, only an audio recording, as Glenn clearly understands, he's creeped out about his voice being places. He insists on very big hand motions, the emergency you got to commit to the bit. That's right. Here's what we're dealing with. Now, a while back, I suggested to the fellas, how, what's going to happen in the future? You mm-hmm. know, people have to have this podcast for all time. So we have to keep recording this podcast, you know, in perpetuity. Now, my suggestion, and it was just something I was throwing out there, uh, is that the four of us could combine our DNA into one genetically enhanced... Super baby. Super baby. It would be four times larger than a normal baby. Right. Because it would have four DNAs in it. Right. Still reasonably sure that's not how that works, even though I have been reprimanded by the medical community. It's basic math. Okay. So this caused a lot of controversy. You know, people weren't sure they could handle the genetically enhanced four times normal size super It's a lot of wisdom, y'all. It's a lot of wisdom in one baby, you know. So, uh, I mean, yeah, it's a legacy. But what happened was these fellows got really tired and really upset with me because I kept saying out loud and sometimes even yelling, I want to have a baby with you. Right. I yeah. want to have a baby with you. Well, it did create a lot of awkward social yeah, situations. We do go a lot. We do go to a lot of church meetings. I won't apologize. The Lutherans were oddly cool with it, but their house is tight. I won't apologize. That a, I love you guys. Of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. And b, I want to have your baby. Sure, with you. <laughs> sure. And so, you know, but I've had to embrace that this is an unrequited uh, thing. Yeah, I'm on my own with this. Yeah, so I started thinking, you know, that's what happens when you when you hit a wall, when you have a problem, 
you got to put on your thinking cap and think about it. Well, first, Michael Bolton's How Am I Supposed to Live Without You plays in the background. Exactly right. You, know, you walk through the rain at night right. alone. Yes. Then you put on your thinking cap. Michael Bolton is cap. always in Jed's car. Exactly right. <laughs> so here's what. Here's on my what, iPhone. But now, I don't know if you guys know this, but in the future, we'll all have robot bodies. Well, of course. That's Obviously. just what I'm saying. Okay. So. Wait, are our. Sorry, Glenn. Are, are our heads cryogenically frozen and then reanimated in the future? Understand. You're you're right on top of it, my man. It's certainly an option. You can also get your brain implanted in the belly of your robot body, Krang Whoa. style. Ooh, nice. Wow, Krang style. Appreciate that reference. Here's what I, here's what I'm saying is, uh, uh, you know, you know, they glue our head onto a robot body, right? And then the robot body's doing all the walking around. I would hope there's a more sophisticated technical <laughs> process by then. Elmer's glue. <laughs> okay. Glue stick. Now, what what? Uh, uh, Lee was suggesting is cryogenically uh, freezing. Okay, a first of all, that's complicated because you got to have dry ice, and you got to have like a really thick styrofoam container. Yeah, and Ted Williams is involved at some point. Uh, yeah, so it's like Walt Disney's up in that and whatever, and uh, and who knows? But what you could be thinking the whole time, and then that's a bummer. Right. Wow. Sure. Right. And then they got to thaw you out. It's a whole. It's a whole. It's a bad scene. You could have freezer burn on your brain. Yeah, <laughs> there okay. there are complications due to the unfreezing process. That yes. much we know. Uh, that's just been documented. Okay, so what I'm saying is pickle juice. Okay. Okay. Nice brine. Yeah, it's a brine. Okay. It's a very it, southern solution. I yeah, like it's it. not. Gonna, you're not going to go bad if you're. Do you in want your juice. head stored in dill? I would love to have a dill. Nice nice garlic juice. dill? Yeah, garlic dill, okay. uh, vinegar, uh, good. And, and some, some brine. And just put it's me zesty and delicious. That's right. Yeah. There's a nice crunch yeah. to this wisdom. Yeah, you, you come out crisp. For the you win. Know, that's, the younger uh, for the win. So, um, but then there's another problem. Okay, tell me. Do you want... We an, just lost our Vlasic sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> Do do you want to have an old head right. glued onto your robot body? Okay. Or do you want a fresh young head? Right. A brand uh, new noggin, as it were. A brand new noggin glued onto your future robot body. Well, new Martin. noggin, obviously. Right. As the new noggin smell. It, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> Everybody else to have a brand new head, and you'll be walking around with an old head, and yeah. that'd be embarrassing. Yeah. Well, that means you guys got to cut my head off, like, this week, probably. Yes. Because I'm already up there in some years. Sure, sure. You know, I, I you know, uh, I was, I've been around since dirt was new. You follow yeah. what I'm saying? Everything was in black and white when I was a child. Sure. So we got to. We need to schedule your decapitation. That's right. Mm. So that's we got to deal with that. Okay. So there's. It feels like there may be a few kinks that need to be worked out, but that's the basic plan. Well, there are worse towns you could be in than Chicago for having to find that particular service. Yeah. Okay. Maybe we can yeah. start with like an ear, nose, and throat guy. Sure, that that makes sense. That you, makes sense. You got to have a decapitation guy. <laughs> That's the main thing. <laughs> I believe you've been a decapitation guy or two in your I time kind, in the city. I kind of have. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about we need. Well, let's let's timetable this out now, right? Because it's going to be a, a minute until the robotics are caught up to where they need to be. Yeah, probably ten, fifteen years. Sure. So, well, here's what I'm wondering. Because this is kind of a, a young Elvis, old Elvis for the stamp right. situation. Just, right. You'd, you'd want the people have, to have options. Right. Some people uh, didn't didn't if they only know you from the blog, which is quite popular. Yes. Or the podcast. You know, they didn't really they didn't know Young Glenn. Right. They only know this Glenn. They like the, they like a, a wizened, older, well seasoned Glenn. They yes. like Glenn Classic. Yeah. So I think they don't exactly. want new Glenn. Yeah. New Glenn. Crystal Glenn. Not popular. Not a good idea in the 80s. Not a good idea now. That's right. <laughs> but here's the thing. So they, I, they strongly agreed with you in the 80s. Yeah. Believe me. So well, I think we can take the R&D money from the Super Baby Project. Yep. Project Super Baby, as it's known, internally. Yep. yep. But here's the thing. Apparently, I think we've, we've moved away from that in theory. Yep. Right. I'm talking about we set it down to some cloning technology yeah. so people have options. Oh, I'm yeah. talking about wow. different vintages of Glenn. You're an idea man, King. Love it. Yes. People can pick for themselves because, you know, we're, 
one of the other things that's surely going to happen in the future is this is going to be the biggest Christian podcast. Definitely. That's so there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of speaking gigs, right? A lot of radio hits, a yeah, lot of book right. publishing that you're going to have to do, right? So I think an army of mecha glens. Yes. Yes. But <laughs> if, if we're thinking commercially, as I often am, you you want to give the customer something they want. So you, you booked Glenn to speak at your conference. Which Glenn would you like? Right. Maybe if this is you know if, if it's a passion, young, get them fired up thing, maybe. You want circa 1994, Glenn. Yeah. Right. He's like about it. to be on This American Life. He's fired up. He's young. He's right. on the streets. Yeah. But if it's the pastoral, you know, training retreat, yeah. maybe you want an older, wiser, more relaxed Glenn. We, right. we can right. find you the Glenn that meets your party's needs. Yeah, but on every day of the convention, you can have a different Glenn. Well, that's bringing a the different flavor that you package, need for that day. But- that, I that's think our we can offer circle it. package. Well, the nice thing about that is then we only need to one, send one robot body and a bunch of heads. Right. Wow. Well, it's a module. So yeah, so it's basically like you're buying a Cadillac. Exactly. Yeah. Do you want the Options. coating on the undercarriage? Sure. It's just like that. You want the EX, the LX? Right. Because, like, for example, I could have a robot arm that shoots flame. Sure, yeah. Some absolutely. people like that Yeah, in sure. their church retreat. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Sure, when you're talking about Pentecost, sometimes you really need to give the people a visual. <laughs> okay. Do you feel like the fire inside you has died? You know, yeah. pyrotechnics. <laughs> yeah, you just yeah. shoot flames. You guys may and... not have heard the worship song, Light the Fire, but I'm bringing it back, and believe me, it's a big finish. You're That's right. Love it. That's right. So there's a lot of, like I, could, like, I could have a big, my robot arms could be big, giant pinchers, you know? Sure. Totally. So I could clamps. Just, yeah, clamps. I could just crush the podium. Yeah, I like know, that. Like that. And people would be like, whoa, that's a show. You yeah. have to tear down barriers between yourself and your audience. Right. Yeah, that's I like right. That. And I just, you know, just, you know, that kind of thing, that gets people's attention. Yeah, it gets people going. That's what you call production value. Yeah, that's right. It absolutely is. And that brings us to another uh, important diversification point. Yeah. Because once we develop r- robot body technology, yeah. I think we can sell this to a lot of pastors. Yes. Yeah. I think they're going to like this. You can attach different things. What we're talking about here is a visual reference bonanza. Yeah. Wow. Whatever you got. Do you want to talk about, you know, we're fishers of men now. We'll give you an arm attachment where you can literally fire a net. Right. <laughs> at someone in the back row who's like trying to leave to get up to pee. Right, right, right. And you snatch them. I yeah. just fished you, son. That's right. Yeah. You've been fished. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, now, off of this, you could have, you know, like, I don't know if you have been to the sporting events. Never. Where they have a t-shirt cannon. Mm, a t-shirt. Same principle, communion. Oh, okay, the communion cannon. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, (laughs) communion cannon. Yes. Well, so what you're talking about is kind of one hand that shoots out the crackers. Right. The other hand, more, if you go to a a baseball game at the White Sox Stadium, which Glenn and I were somewhat recently, they have a guy who has a giant Ghostbusters-style backpack that's full of daiquiris. Yep, yeah. But there's a little thing on his hand to dispense them. Yeah. So you, you kind of up the pressure in that yep. shooting crackers out of one hand you're spraying wine out of the other right they we're hold, get this whole community taken care of in three minutes we dude, don't have to wow. loop the song we don't need anything no we're out we're in and we're out i mean this is like everybody holds up their little cups boom little, little shot glasses you know yeah. how they gave you yeah i say this is a blood christ share for you and then i just spray down sure. the whole boom you we're snag done. it yeah we're done that's just here. efficient that's, that's what efficient that we're getting things done now yeah yeah. We can have this service over in like 15 minutes. Sure, we're, Bells, we're be- whistles, flames, communion, in, out. Yeah. Boom. Boom, we're all at the Mexican restaurant before the Baptist. There you yeah. go. So yeah. you can just kind of go down on the website and you can just, if somebody's going to hire Robot Glenn, yeah. then then they just kind of click the boxes of the different things they need. We're gonna Absolutely. Need, it's like customizing the your car, drop down menus. Need, yeah, we're going to need the communion cannon. Right. Oh, can we, are, are we going to be able to spring for the communion cannon this year? I think we got to. Right. Yeah. Well, Easter right. service. I mean, that's yeah. Right. yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, we have the solution for how we're going to be doing this from now on. I love it into think, the future. I think you're absolutely right. I want to fire one last thing off here. Jed uh, just sparked this idea. Well, obviously, as Lee is pointing out, he's exactly right. You're going to have you're going to have it customizable, right? But in order to increase efficiency at end and uh, lower the price point for the consumer. You can also get your packages. Come right. free, they come off the production line all set up. I think one of those has to be the Easter package. 
And it has to involve rocket boots. Yes. For the moment when Mecha Pastor says he is risen indeed. And then Rocket Boot (laughs) rises off the ground. Right. Arms outstretched. Someone declare emergency off. That can't be beat. Uh, uh, On that basis, I declare if you are a mega church pastor, do not write that down and try that emergency (laughs) off. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That is exactly right. Well,. Our uh, our secret uh, skunkworks lab at say that uh, world headquarters are uh, a little behind at the moment. We, right. you know, because right now we have to spend a lot of the money we bring in on, uh, you know, things like ministering at the jailhouse, paying part time staff salaries for people who go to uh, residential programs, invite people to our service, and get them hooked up with jobs and stuff. And here's the thing: if we can get some more people on Bridgebox, then we can take the other money. And that goes to Mecha Pastor R and D. Yes, right. it's a lot of bang for your buck. <laughs> Only eight dollars a month. You sign up for missionusa.com/slash/bridgebox. In your inbox, you get uh, some awesome stuff about uh, songs, sermons, uh, Bible studies, like uh, our topic for November is "What do I do when God says no?" Yeah. So clearly, an important topic. A lot of people deal with a lot of super encouraging stuff on that. You can stuff like that every month, and you get the cool knowledge that the eight dollars a month you give goes to support. Uh, front lines work here in the city of Chicago and down there in Tennessee. So you can sign up for all that at missionusa.com slash bridgebox. All right, we go to our first question here. Uh, if you hang out with us all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways to get in touch with this. This first one comes into our Tumblr inbox and it says, Hello, any suggestions on how to move on from your first love? It's been almost a year. I'm still aching and I am desperate for any suggestions. Jed? I'm sorry you're hurting. That's that's the key thing. Um We've all been there. The truth is uh, we, we all know how that feels, and it's scrappy, and I'm sorry that you're dealing with that. Um, in terms of how you move forward on it, there's an old saying. It's a little bit hackneyed, but it's super true. The saying is, nothing gets you over the last one like the next one. Yeah. Right. Is that um, is that the whole saying, Jed? Well, you could say it other ways. Okay, but, there's variations. Uh, but this you version... don't get over the last one. Sure. Until... I, I was just kind of giving it a glancing drive-by innuendo. There's no need to explore. Till, till you meet somebody really nice and Christian. Absolutely. There you go. Nothing gets you over the last one like the next one. If you if you want to move on, I think you need to start dating somebody else. Uh, what what won't work is to say, I want to wait for my emotions to get to a place where I feel okay right. about this breakup, and yeah. then I will resume dating. Because that's, that's exactly right. That's a bad call. That's that's not going to work out. You know, we we need to take. Uh, proactive steps here and and move forward and and uh, get back in the process of dating and as we do that i think i think part of what we'll find is that we're going to gain some perspective on this first love and and what we're going to see is that in some ways it'll always be special because it was the first person i dated right, um, that's right. you know but in other ways we may recognize that not that it wasn't as good as i thought it was but we may just be able to see it from a different perspective mm-hmm. um, you know i i look back at you know early relationships I, early relationships I had in my life. And I can say, you know, that was a sweet person who I could never have made it work with. Never in a million years. I didn't know that when I was 16, but I know that now. Turns out relationships end for a reason. Exactly right. That's right. You know, part of what you're wanting is closure and you're not wrong to want that. We want that for you. But the journey to closure uh, takes a while. And and sometimes it takes doing some new things and some different things along the way. I think you you will get the closure and the emotional closure that you're looking for. But I I think you may need to have some other dating relationships and kind of gain some wisdom and some perspective along the way in order to get that closure. So um, don't don't be afraid. Don't be holding out for, for your lost love. Don't be holding out for the emotions to sort themselves out. Get in motion, start dating somebody else, and I think you'll find that you're going to feel both different and better in short order. I think you're absolutely right, and Lee, I'd love to get you to pick up right where Jed left off there, because I think his advice about dating is absolutely right. But we can almost, we can expand that out to, you can't wait until you feel like really doing anything. Yeah. If you're kind of fresh from a breakup, you're not going to feel like doing anything except sitting around and uh, listening to sad music and thinking about how sad you are, (laughs) staring at empty picture frames and whatnot. Uh, but getting in motion is a big part of this, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think one of the things uh, about our feelings is that we don't often want to ask them any questions. We, mm-hmm. we just want to feel them. Um, the, the most natural thing when you feel a big emotion is 
just to feel your feels. Just, right. um, the, the, you know, I work with a lot of high school kids, and they, they have a great phrase. I just love the way this phrase sounds, but they're like, man, you know, this, this thing happened to me. This, this girl and I, we were talking, and then she stopped calling me, and so I was just all up in my feels. And that's and that's just the phrase. And it's like, that's what we want to do with our feelings is I just want to sit in them and feel them. And the thing that I would the thing that I would suggest is in the middle of this, you need to push back against your feelings. OK, see, the thing about feelings is that they are real. You do feel those things. Those are those are tangible things that you feel. You feel sad. You feel brokenhearted. You feel all that stuff. But your feelings may not be true. They are real in the sense that you feel them. But they not they may not be true, and they may not be helpful. They may be they may be leading you uh, in a bad direction. And so so just as a as an example, your feelings in the middle of uh, of this you know first love going you know going south. They're going to tell you that the reason that you should be sad is that this first love was just so dreamy and magical, um, and it was just it was just the most perfect thing ever. And so I, I'm just going to feel all of that. And what I would say is push back against that. Um, it had its good moments, some cool things to learn from, <clears throat> but it, it wasn't. It wasn't free of actual problems. As Matt said, relationships that end, end for a reason. There were actual problems, and this relationship needed to end so that you can move past that onto something so much more cool, so much more awesome. That's like your feelings are going to tell you, exactly as Matt said, to stay inside, just drown in ice cream and sad music, and, and you should push back against that. You should join a ministry. You should get involved in serving people. You should give away the thing that you want to get yourself. Um, your your feelings are going to tell you to stay isolated, insulated, and you should push back against that. You should go out on dates, exactly as Jed's saying. You need to operate under the assumption that the things that I feel are real, okay? And I want to be honest about the stuff that I feel. But that's not where the story ends. We want to push back against them and say, yeah, but feelings, I, I, I realize that you're real, but do you have a point, and are you the most true thing about this situation? And are you steering me in a healthy direction? Because if not, I'm going to push back against those feelings and I'm going to do something else. I think we, our natural tendency is just to feel them, just to sit right there, just sit down in the middle of what we're feeling. But what we need to do is we need to ask our feelings some questions. We need to investigate them and find out, are you leading me in a healthy place or in an unhealthy place? Because if it's unhealthy, I'm going to push back. I'm going to do something different, and I'm going to get in motion in a healthy direction. Amen. I think all that's really good stuff. And Glenn, can you uh, kind of unpack a little bit further? I think in a big way what Lee's talking about here is um, navigating life through something other than your emotions in the moment, which is an important part of kind of maturing and just in life and in your walk. And this is a good chance to work that out, right? Absolutely right. I think when you think about uh, th- emotions that you have that are very strong, it often gives you a sense of this is meaningful because I have strong feelings about it. And that's often not necessarily true. I can have very strong things about things that don't really mean anything, you know, uh, you may have a dream where you, you know, we're still dating this person, or you may see something that will remind you of that person, and mm-hmm. a whole bunch of feelings come along, and you say, does this feeling mean that I never should have broken up with this person? Does this right. feeling mean I'll never meet another person that I can love again? Does this feeling mean I'll never find a relationship that's better than this one? It's just a feeling. Yep. There's no meaningfulness behind it. It's not a sign. It's not an indicator. It's not a thing. You can't, what I'm trying to say here is you can't use your feelings to navigate. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. if you have, let's say that you are in a boat and it's at night and you look out and there's no, the sun's gone down and there's no moon, there's no stars, there's nothing. You just can't see anything out the front of this boat. Well, if you have this radar, you're able to look at that radar and sort of see the outline of the coast so you don't crash into the rocks. Uh, and the, the beautiful thing is about that, about that radar is that's very accurate. You can, you can navigate by that. But if you said, well, 
I'm just going to turn this radar off and just navigate according to how I feel about it. I just feel <laughs> yeah. like I'm going north right now. <laughs> yeah, I just I feel just, it so hard. It really feels like I, you know, and and the the way this navigation system is sending me, it just doesn't feel right. You know, it's a, right. you can't, uh, you know, the the Bible says God's wisdom is a lamp to our feet. Uh, the 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 truth is that your feelings are sort of the fog that you're lost in. Uh, they're mm. they're not the thing that's going to help you uh, figure out what's going on. Here's another quick little thing on this we have to to avoid the if onlys mm-hmm. the if onlys will kill you if only i had said this if only uh, we weren't going to separate schools and we didn't have to be long distance if only she had met this other person whatever whatever there's a lot of what ifs and if onlys that you can contemplate and you'll just drive yourself nuts at the end of the day we have to be, uh, as these other fellows are saying, and, and rightly so, it's about honoring this relationship. It's about saying it was good in some ways, it was kind of jacked right. up in other ways, but I had lots of fun, and this is a good person that I care about. Mm. And there will be a time when this won't be an open wound, and I will just think n- nice thoughts about this. Mm-hmm. Right now it's kind of an open wound, and I can't really do that, and I need to move on so that I can get that healing. But you don't honor that relationship, and you don't treasure it, and you don't appreciate it, and you don't really uh, do it any kind of uh, service in your men- in your memory by thinking of it as some epic struggle that if only we had done it differently, everything could be perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. It is what you're hearing from all these guys, and that's exactly where I'm going to come on this is uh, do something, yeah. almost anything. There are obviously some uh, particularly destructive things you can do that we don't encourage in the acting out sense, but pretty much anything that you know is vaguely positive. It goes back to something we were saying on the last show where uh, you can know something is good without feeling that it's good. And anything you know is positive, like uh, going on a date with someone you think is neat, hanging out with friends, as Lee mentioned, finding a a group at church and helping serve with that. Do that. Don't wait until you feel it. Do it. Do it for a little while with some consistency. Then see how you feel. Let's get that as I believe Jeb put that order of operations right. Mm -hmm. That will give you. That will get you a long way towards where you're going. All right. Move our second question here. It comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox, and it says, "This may be a dumb question." Yeah, probably. But that's okay. I mean, if you say so. We welcome. We welcome all (laughs) questions. But the Bible says that the church is Jesus's bride, and one day there will be a wedding where we are the bride of Christ. Now, that's all great, but I'm a guy. I can't really picture being a wife. It's weird for me to do so, as if Jesus were a guy and I'm trying to love a guy. Is this a weird question? I just don't really know what that means. They didn't add this part, but I'm going to add my my subtext parentheses. I'm straight. I'm straight. I'm super straight. Do you guys understand how straight I am? Wait, are, are you straight? Super. Oh, wow. Okay. Like cool. amazingly. Cool, cool, cool. Again, we make fun because... We kid. We kid. We kid because we love. Come on. That's but right. there, there's, I think there's a real thing behind here, which is there are particular ways church people talk to, or even particular analogies in the Bible that on the face of them are super weird. Yeah, right. There's yeah. a whole story in the Old Testament that says God is like a guy who met a child when they were abandoned and then raised that child up and then married her. Yeah. Right. And... That's a little weird, but well, also we 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 uh, devour the flesh of Christ and drink His blood. Yeah, yeah. So that but, kind of stuff. But as we often mention on, on the show, out of a cannon. That yeah, <laughs> we, we make jokes like communion cannon because uh, we we have to move on to a new level of weird. That's right. Because we we've all been doing the Christian thing long enough to make peace with the fact that we just eat this this God's flesh. Right. But I think there is a very real thing here going on that. There are some weird concepts in this, so let's maybe take a look at And Leah, I'd love to get you to start us off on this because sure. you deal with a lot of young folks who are unchurched, and I'm sure this kind of stuff comes up. When we find these kind of things, when it stirs up this kind of weird feeling in somebody, what are the kind of things you can tell them to kind of push back, push past the initial discomfort into really embracing what's being told here? Yeah, absolutely. I think t- to your point, um, the the Bible is full of illustrations and pictures and some of them on the surface are super, super weird. And then if you kind of go beneath the surface, you find out a really cool thought is being, is being described. And so what I would say just on this specific thing is let's just concede the point that, that the whole bride of Christ thing is definitely weird. Um, Because even if you, 
even if you're, you know, you're a girl and you hear the bride of Christ thing, what if you're already married? Well, exactly how many people is Jesus marrying? How, how weird does this get? I mean, it's a, it's a very, very weird illustration. But if you, if we could just take some of the, the stuff that makes it weird on the surface, just out of the question for a thought experiment, take, for instance, take the gender stuff just out of the, the, the whole, like, you know, marriage question here and, uh, people on the extreme Christian right. It's just a thought experiment, so everybody calm down. But what I'm saying is, is if you just think about what is a great marriage about, let's just do that for a second. Like, take the whole gender piece out of it, the, you know, the, uh, the bride of Christ or whatever, and just think about marriage itself. What's being communicated here? Think about what a great marriage does. Think about what spouses are for each other in a great marriage. I mean, seriously, take some time to kind of think about that. What do you, like, what would you come up with? The, the promises that, that married people make to each other, the, the love and protection, the, the teamwork, the encouragement, security, belonging, all that stuff. And the thing is, is if you take some time just to think about this illustration in the terms of what a marriage is like for the people who are in it, a really, really great marriage where there's, where, where there is all that encouragement and security and those promises are deep and there's intimacy and friendship and all that kind of stuff, all that teamwork and everything. When you look at that, it's like, well, who doesn't want that relationship? And then you think like, wait, Jesus wants that kind of relationship with me. He wants to make these unbelievably amazing promises to me. And he wants to have this kind of teamwork with me. He wants to offer me this kind of protection, this kind of exclusivity of love, this kind of all of these things. And when you look at it like that, you're like, yeah, that's a relationship that I want in on. I want all of this closeness, all of this teamwork, all of that stuff. And so when we're looking at some of these things that on the surface in the Bible are weird, well, if we pull back some of the stuff that, that's just kind of weird on the surface about it, and you look at the, the essentials of the relationship that's being described, all of a sudden, this becomes a really, really cool thing. And the Lord is describing something really awesome that, that this, is what, this is the way I feel about you. And this is, the, this is the kind of relationship and teamwork that I want to have with you. All of a sudden, this becomes a really, really cool deal. It, it is weird on the surface, but then when we dig in, we find out some really cool stuff is being communicated. And if we take some time to think about it, that's the relationship that we would want with the Lord. I think that's absolutely right. It's a really great place to start this. I'm glad I'd love to get you to kind of pick up exactly where Lee left us off there and dig in a little bit more to this particular analogy, because there are some very... Uh, cool, interesting things under the surface, but even just on, once you, as Lee said, once you push past kind of the romantic uh, gendered aspect of it, there's some very uh, fundamental, fun foundational would be the word I'm looking for there, right. uh, foundational aspects of what a Christian life is wrapped right. up in this that are important not to miss out on, right? Absolutely right. I mean, I, I think there's a, a tendency that uh, some of us have to think overly literally about things. Yeah. Uh, you'll struggle with Christianity, uh, and really... Any... No, I won't. The Earth is 6,000 years old. Heresy, heresy, heresy. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the, you know, uh, sometimes Jesus would tell a story to illustrate a point so that you understand it in the abstract, not, you know, he's trying to make it concrete, but you doesn't mean that you take every the, the, everything as a literal thing that happened. Just Man, I wish you had told me that before I literally cut my arm off. That's right. really uh, man, bad timing. That's bad timing. right. So I think part of the, the, the thing that gets us in trouble with that is, you know, when you go to school and they tell you if something isn't 100% true in math class, then it's 0% true, you know, that... And you think, well, the Bible must be more true than math. You know, if 2 plus 2 equals 4, every time I add it up, then it's true. If it doesn't add up to 4 on one occasion, then that statement can't be true. Uh, the world, as it turns out, doesn't really work that way. Uh, the, the, in order for any, uh, any sort of leadership that God wants to put into our lives, there has to be a bit of... Uh, fuzzy logic and thinking in terms of, uh, you know, working around uh, uh, what the general principle, uh, apply, figuring out how to apply a general principle to a specific situation that you're dealing with. In this case, what, uh, what specifically uh, Jesus is trying to say is that uh, if you're the, uh, if you're, 
the church, if you're a member of the church, if you're part of the church, if you're representing the church, if you're an individual operating, a, a, if you're a pastor of a church, you need to be aware you are not the big boss man. That's still God. Yep. And uh, God comes in and says, I want this to happen. I want this to happen. I don't want this to happen, but I want this to happen. Don't do it like this. Do it like this. Do it the way I'm telling you. This is how I want it done. And then uh, your role as that pastor or that part of that church or that Bible study or whatever that thing is, is to recognize I'm submitting to that leadership and what have you, but really my role is implementing that Mm -hmm. and helping that to be carried forward. It's not my plan. It's not my ideas. It's not me being... What if it's my vision? Yeah, it's not not your vision. Oh, Uh, so cast a vision. Yeah, yeah, no, you you can cast it all you want. If it's yours, uh, we, we don't want to hear it. Um, uh, but but part of this means, uh, part of the, the dynamic of that then is, what happens if I'm not good at getting stuff from God? I mean, I may know my Bible, I may, you know, preach really fantastically and... Real purdy. And uh, real purdy, and I act real Christian, and I dress nice, and I behave myself real good. But I don't ever really listen to God. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm aware that general things he's saying in Scripture, and I'm generally doing that, but I'm never really asking him anything specific, and I'm not doing anything specific. Am I really following God mm-hmm. at that point? And here's the thing. I'm asking all the people in that congregation or my Bible study or my youth group or whatever, I'm asking them to follow what I'm saying. Yeah. If I'm not following God, how can I call on them to follow what it is that I'm saying? And, to, and to, as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So it's about learning to be a good follower of Christ and wrestling with those things and telling them why you don't agree with it and, to, and figuring out ways of being obedient to what he's telling you to do if you're going to ask other people to, to buy into what you're telling them to do. I think you're absolutely right on that whole thing. The, and I want to go back, and Jed, I can just close on this. I want to go back to a bit of Glenn was talking about there of uh, Jesus speaking metaphors, because that's actually critically important, understanding kind of how to approach those, how to kind of fold those into um, your life is going to be important as a Christian, because uh, there's a lot of them in there. Yeah. A lot of stories, metaphors, and whatnot. And I think one of the reasons people may struggle with those is there's not a singular uh, lesson to be learned from them. Yeah. And most of them, is, as Glenn is saying, one of the very important things about uh, this analogy of uh, the the bride and the, the bride of Christ is a head of a household kind of thing. Uh, Lee mentioned some other ones, and I think one of the things that may trip people up about these is you're going to keep coming back to these and finding new and different, not conflicting, but yeah. kind of layers upon layers. So how do we how do we go about folding in something that is so unique to Christianity that into the way we see the world? That's a great question, man. I mean, th- the truth is, when we talk about God, we, we're talking on some level about something indescribable. We're talking about something that Paul describes as a mystery. Uh, and so um, this, he, I mean, Paul literally says, we only see through a glass darkly. You know, I mean, you know, then we will see face to face. So we're, we're trying to find words to describe something that is bigger than words. So we, right. we all, all metaphors break down at a certain point. But it turns out there are a lot of metaphors that the Bible uses other than, than the bride of Christ. They include you are a servant who has a master. Um, uh, <laughs> you may find you prefer bride of Christ to that one. <laughs> That's right. Exactly um, right. You are a soldier who has a commander. Uh, right, that's you, right. You are a son who has a father. Yeah. Uh, each of those, and again, all three of those are in the Bible. Uh, each of those you, kind of... You are of, a sheep that has a, a, a shepherd. You are a sheep that has a shepherd. You ever been around sheep? Not a compliment. <laughs> not a compliment. They're not bright. Uh, yeah, they need that shepherd. that have no volition, like you're the potter, and you're, he's the potter, and you're just clay. Exactly yeah, right. Does whatever he wants. Right, exactly right. right. Exactly right. Who are you to talk back to your God, <laughs> clay pot? <laughs> right. Uh, but each of those um, point to a different, uh, different kinds of aspects of the relationship between you and God. Here's one of the great things about the Bible that doesn't get talked enough about in Christian circles and applies here. If you read something in the Bible that totally freaks you out, set it aside and come back to it. 
Mm-hmm. G- mm-hmm. Give it some time. Come back to it. You don't have to understand it all right now. Mm-hmm. That, that's okay. You know, there are some things in the Bible that are that are hard to understand. There are some things in the Bible that uh, really fly in the face of 21st century culture. Uh, there, there are things like what you're pointing out here, where it's just, man, I can't, I can't relate to that. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Don't worry. Set it aside. Uh, focus on the parts that do make sense to you. Figure out how to incorporate them into your life. Mm-hmm. Come back to the parts. Now, don't forget about forever, but come back to the parts you're having trouble understanding. The more that you focus on living out the parts you do understand and growing as a person, I bet in time as you go back to other parts, they'll make sense too. I mean, mm-hmm. um, I'm not a chick either, it turns out. But I am a married person, and the idea of what it would mean to be the bride of Christ makes a lot more sense to me as a married man today than it would have as a single guy yes, 10 years ago. Exactly, yeah. Uh, so, you know, uh, so give yourself some time. Focus on the stuff that does make sense that you can't understand. And again, focus on living it out. That's really a really good word on that. I think it's also important to combine this with what you're saying is to uh, not let a very small, specific analogy undo everything else that's in that book you know as you're saying mm-hmm. if you can't really relate you can't really connect to the idea of there being a bride a bride and a husband kind of thing you can look at uh, and read other things in the bible like first corinthians 13 and the whole deal and say well i know that uh in, in theory husbands are supposed to love their wives like a whole lot in like a self-sacrificial way and all that so i may not be able to plumb the depths of what it means to be the bride of christ but i can at least take away god loves me yeah in like an important way, a committed, mm-hmm. sacrificial way. So that's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's just saying you can kind of, if that's all you get out of it, that's fine. You yeah. don't have to understand every bit of that right now. Mm-hmm. And I think it is worth pointing out, as these guys have mentioned, when you find something like this in the Bible that on a cultural level or on a personal uh, kind of just personal contract level freaks you out, you are not normally, and again, everybody's relationship with God is individual, everybody's relationship with kind of what, where they are in their lives is individual. You're not norm. It's not normally a big deal to uh, dig into that until you understand it. Right now, there are bigger concepts in the Bible that you know. If you uh, don't really understand why you should forgive people, because screw them, that's something we need to deal with right now. That's yeah. pretty fun. <laughs> that's pretty foundational. <laughs> and we all have days when we feel like that. Don't get me wrong, but that's where right. you kind of kind of hunker down on this kind of specific stuff. You can write into us. You can Google it. You can ask your pastor. You you are not going to fundamentally misunderstand the gospel in a way that screws your whole life up. Because you don't get the the fullness of the wedding banquet analogy. So mm-hmm. uh, these, as we point out a lot, it's weird to say it. People get weird about it. There are uh, kind of gradations of importance of things in the Bible for your life right now. Yeah. In general, if all Scripture is equally inspired and good for teaching and all that stuff, but for it's where— It's God-breathed, Matthew. It certainly is. For where you are right now, the things God for, wants for you to do, there are certain things that are more important than yeah. others in that sense, and there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll move on to our final question here. It comes in anonymously at our Tumblr inbox, and it says, I'm a guy— My sister recently confided to me that she had been sexually assaulted in her past. I don't know how to react. I'm sad. I'm pissed. But I don't want to act in a way that makes her feel like there's anything wrong with her. It was also years ago for her, but it's brand new information to me. What can I do to help? Obviously, it's a big topic. It's one we uh, recently covered on our, our radio show here in Chicago. But it's a good chance to get a little deeper into it. And Glenn, why don't you start us off? Well, yeah, I think the main thing to start with is to recognize that we as men tend to want to start punch by things. F- fixing and punching. Yes, you know. Uh, if we can fix it by punching it, that's great. That would be the perfect thing for us. Uh, we can't uh, uh, do that in this situation. That's not essential. Uh, first and foremost is uh, we need to listen. That's true mm-hmm. for any ministry situation. That's if I don't know what to say, I'm not saying anything. I need you to keep talking. That's a really good point, and I think this is going to go to more of what we all say. Can you just real quick give us a breakdown of how, even if you are not a pastor, if you are not, a, if you do not consider yourself a person in ministry, if you're talking to someone about their sexual assault, that's mm-hmm. ministry. Absolutely right. I, most people, uh, you know, I, I've actually uh, asked this before of crowds that I'm speaking to. If someone just listened to you, if they didn't say anything, they just really listened, they were really engaged, and they were really giving good empathy with what you're going through, would you feel ministered to? And 100% of the people raise their hand on that. Yeah. So uh, it's about uh, recognizing that 
people don't expect you to be able to solve something like this. That's a, that's a crazy expectation. It's worth pointing out that there are schools of modern psychology that would say just the act of you listening is providing a therapeutic service to Absolutely that person right. as well. Absolutely right. Uh, uh, if if you were if I was in this counseling situation, I would be I would be listening ninety percent of the time at least. Yeah. Right. Uh, that now, in some cases, that's going to involve asking questions. You know, uh, tell me more about that, and how, you know, how, how are you dealing with this on a day to day? You know, what in what ways do you feel like this is still affecting you, and so on and so forth. Uh, but I, I, I want more of this person talking it through because they're going to work this out in yeah. in a lot of ways. Uh, it's about me helping them figure their own thing out. Now, you, what you'll discover in that process is sometimes people get stuck. They can get stuck on uh, a self-pity. They can get stuck on, in this case, uh, sort of blaming themselves. And maybe I brought this on myself. Maybe I... You didn't. You didn't. And that's the other thing. You need to say those words out loud. I I believe you. I understand the situation. You, if if this is a non-consensual act, then by the the very definition of this, you are not responsible for that. So we have to, and 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 I would draw a very strong line in that in the sand on that. Of I will listen to you. I will sympathize with you. I will hold your hand while you cry all night long. But you are not going to blame yourself for this in my presence. We're, I'm canceling that. No, this is not your fault. You're absolutely right. And I think this gets to something we might talk about later. But can you give us a bit of a blueprint for um, having that conversation in a non-accusatory way? Yeah. And kind of a, a gentle, almost a script for that. Because obviously one of the things you want to, people who have been through this kind of thing in some ways are prone to wanting to blame themselves so even a tone of you're not going to pull that with me right. that we might use in another situation is right. not necessarily appropriate here. So how would, you, how would you actually lay that out in a way that they can? Well, I, let's role play it out. If you if you were uh, the person uh, saying that, uh, just give me sort of your your first sentence down that road of maybe I'm to blame. Well, I had been drinking. No, a- no. <laughs> okay, that's exactly how we did. And I've been I've been in these situations. That's how it is. You know, I you know I was wearing certain clothes. No. No, <laughs> no. This, that, Jed's laughing because I've done yeah. this with him. That, that, that makes it important to really lay on the love thick. <laughs> yes, in the rest of the conversation, absolutely. You right. got to earn the sarcastic you, uh, no. You, you absolutely have. Believe me, I'm working hard because I got to get those sarcastic no's in there. They're sure. very therapeutic to the process. But yeah, there has to be that that hard line on that. For for those of us that that do not necessarily have Glenn's truly uh, expert level skills for for sarcasm, um, if you're if you're if you're not sure you can pull that off, I think Matt, part of the script that you're looking for is being able to say, "I get that you feel that way. I totally appreciate that." The, I think the thing you're going to discover, and the thing I'm already convinced of, is this isn't your fault. Yeah, right. you didn't contribute to this. You didn't bring it on yourself, and not even a little bit. Again, I right. get that you feel differently than that, right? That, and and I uh, can appreciate that. I think as we move forward, you're going to find, and something I'm already convinced of is this is not your fault. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think the the main thing that we're looking to do is to to explore what this is, what it means, what the implications of it are as opposed to exploring stuff that didn't happen, aren't part of the story, uh, uh, are a way of... Because when, when something bad has been done to us, we have a choice. Do I internalize that in terms of, I think I deserve this, or do I externalize that and say, this other person acted wrongly? Do I blame yeah. them or do I blame me? And that's certainly an ongoing choice. That's not you. That's right. It's not one day you decide, I have... I have uh, Wash my hands of all culpability, for I have been convinced by my good friend and brother that I don't do this way. That stuff kind of creeps in, and that's why that's it's important right. to continue to communicate on that. Yeah, it, it, exactly right. It's about teaching this person. Mm-hmm. That's, a, I think, the exact right word. Teaching this person uh, that that internalizing that is a wrong choice. It feels like a martyr-like choice. I'm gonna, if I'm to blame. Then I can put all this on me, and then I can forgive myself at some point, and then it all goes away, and I don't have to deal with other people that are to blame for that that are out in the world. But that's this is not how this works. This is about moving forward. Uh, this person's to blame. That's been dealt with. 
But that doesn't solve the problem either. You know, we, we accept the reality that, that this happened, that, that this person is to blame. But now we have to figure out what are the next steps. And that then can put you in the role of being that cheerleader for that person and, and, yeah. and cheering them on. And if they have a hard time of things, if they're struggling, you can swoop in and say, well, you know, you were doing pretty good there for a minute. I, you know, I think we had some good momentum going. I don't think you've lost that momentum. You've had a bad day. That's going to happen. I think we're doing good here. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. So that we can be that positive uh, influence in that person's life. I think you're absolutely right on that. And I'd love, Lee, to get you to kind of pick up on a point that Glenn was making that was very important about that cheerleader uh, identity. It is important to know your role in these kind of things because one of the things you may hear on the show and uh, from us is often the role the four voices you hear on the show take is that of primary counselor. We are walking this person through this. We have some experience, especially in Glenn's case of here's we're setting an agenda. We're checking in mm-hmm. on the next thing. We, we're discipling this person in important way to move through. Mm-hmm. That cheerleader role has some important differences. And one of those is cheerleaders do not set timetables for things. That's right. So it can be important to not in that if that's your role and it probably is going to be unless you have a significant amount of training to be a listening ear, be a cheerleader. It's important for your own self to. Uh, under not get frustrated with someone if they get stuck on the same thing as Glenn was talking about. Mm-hmm. It's also important to respect that it's not your job to kind of push them through to the next line. You want to be uh, more cognizant of triggering behavior and that kind of stuff if your role is support structures. How do we go about that, Lee? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because, it, and I would say very clearly, if you have not had uh, if you don't have a counseling background, if you don't <clears throat> have that education or that training, if you don't have pastoral experience and this kind of stuff, then you want to be very wary of having of uh, of taking on the role of somebody's kind of you know guide through this kind of situation. And and I love the way that you asked this question because as as her brother, you know, you are much more likely to be in the role exactly like Matt said of of cheerleader. Your your job is just as Glenn started out, your job is to listen. Your job is to your job is to empathize. Um your job is to is to feel with. Um your job is to be understanding. Um one of the things that in that role that you're going to find, if you haven't had a lot of experience, um you should know that that what you're dealing with here is a person who has sustained a trauma. This is a traumatized person. And because of that, there are going to be one thing you find with with folks who have been through a trauma is that they have triggers. They have stuff that is said, or stuff that stuff that is that they go through, or stuff that they see, stuff that they smell. Stuff you know, just all kinds of different sensory things will make them feel um, that they are in the middle of of the the, the feelings that that happen when they're when, when they first sustain the, the trauma. That they cannot physically tell the difference between, you know, I am in that moment again. I feel the way that I felt at that time. That's the way trauma works. And it's not something that they can control. It's not something that they're, that they're egging on or that they want. And so exactly as Matt said, one of your primary roles as a, as a person who is, is in a supporting role in this person's life is to, uh, is to decide, I don't know when the, the trauma trigger is going to get tripped. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know how that, how that response is going to feel to her, but I am not going to be frustrated. I'm going to be empathizing. I'm going to be accepting. I'm, I'm not in any hurry. I am just here to play the role of support because, you, you know, hopefully this person has, you know, a counselor or somebody who's trained, somebody who has the experience or a pastor who can do that discipleship role. But if you're in a supporting role, to know that, that those kinds of things are going to come up. I'll give you uh, just a, a small example from my own life. I, you know, when I was, when I was, you know, at, like in college, my parents got divorced and, um, you know, and, and I was a newlywed. And so I thought, well, you know, this is, this is sad. Uh, it really sucks. And but you know, but I've started my own life. I'm out of my parents' house and everything, and so this is going to be okay. And yet, when I was going through it, it turned out that I had 
all kind, like it was a very difficult time for me. It was more difficult than I thought it was going to be. And it was, there were surprising things that were difficult for me. I would see a picture of my parents together from when I was, you know, seven years old. And all of a sudden I was right back in the original emotion that I felt when I found out that my, that my parents were, were, were getting a divorce. And I didn't have any, I didn't have any, I didn't plan for that. I didn't have any account for that. I thought I was over it. I thought it was all over. Um, fast forward years. Years later, I heard a song that reminded me of a Christmas that we had had together when I was a little kid, and I was right back in the middle of that emotion. That 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 song triggered a, you know an event which in my mind which took me right back to that place. And folks who have been through a difficult traumatic situation, they these are the kinds of things that happen. And so you need to know this is what they're going through. You don't, they don't mean to feel this stuff. They don't, they don't have any accounting for, for when it hits or whatever. This is not the exact same thing as what Glenn was talking about with the self-pity. This is a totally different thing. Something happens and I feel that, that trauma all over again. When you're in the middle of walking some, walking beside somebody through that process, your goal there is, is empathy and patience, understanding and, and support because we, you know, we, we don't want to get in a hurry with this process. We want to help them walk through it. Amen. Amen. I, that's really Amen. fantastic stuff. And Jed, if I get you to close us out on this, th- these guys have both made a really important uh, points about the critical role that uh, professional counseling can play. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things we definitely want to, as we're encouraging, as we're cheerleading, one of the things we definitely want to uh, be clear on is the right things to encourage them towards. Mm-hmm. And certainly uh, resources, good, positive resources is one of those things. But there are other things that will go on the flip side of that, as we're as Lee's kind of talking about trying to hurry someone along. Uh, a big one, if you've never dealt with this kind of thing before, is uh, the choice about whether or not they should go to any kind of law enforcement is 100% theirs and 0% yep. yours. You, yep, right. That is a critical thing to not have an opinion on. Yeah, uh, There's a lot of stuff going on in the news lately that may indicate why someone would not want to come forward this kind of thing. So there are a lot of things you don't want to have an opinion on. One good opinion we can have is you should get quality professional help. And one of the big ways to feel like you're doing something is to, is right along that line. Right. Absolutely. Right, man. Absolutely. Right. Uh, this, this is one of those for sure where you don't want to let your reach exceed your grasp and you don't Mm -hmm. want to try and, uh, take on things that aren't your job. I want to reiterate, Matt, what you just said, um, particularly for all male people listening to this, it is not your job to tell a rape survivor whether or not they should go to the cops. That's right. Yep. Uh, it's not your call. It's not your job. It's not up to you. Um, Mm -hmm. don't go there. Right. That's, that's not your decision. Um, here are the only words you need to know if that subject comes up. I support your and whatever decision you make. Right. Yeah. Then shut right. up. That's right. Exactly right. Uh, here, here are the things that, that you do want to say and be clear. Thing number one, I believe you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Say that out loud. Yep. Repeatedly. I, repeatedly. I believe you. That's the number one most important thing you can say. I believe you. The second thing is much like it. I'm sorry this happened. Full stop. It's right. it's crappy. It's terrible. I'm so sorry it happened. Thing three is this is not your fault. Yep. Period. The end. That's right. This is not your fault. Um, thing number four, this does not change how I think about you. You may right. be wondering, let me assure you, this does not change how I think about you. Um, honestly, if those um, four things were the sum and total of what you had to say on the subject, you would be winning. Pretty good. <laughs> so right. massively. Yes. Um, you know, uh, there are a whole lot of people, unfortunately, who either don't bother to say those things or, God help us, say the opposite, which mm. is super bad. Um, and uh, there are plenty of people that, that, you know, try and get up in it and, and uh, say more than that, which, again, if, if that's not, uh, something where you have some training that's very generally a very bad idea mm-hmm. but Matt as you pointed out what you can do is you can be a support in helping your sister get connected with resources she wants to get connected with um, uh, uh, a good resource on that is RAIN um, I'm trying to remember exactly what the acronym is Rape on Abuse Incest National Network Rape Abuse Incest National Network you can visit them at RAIN.org yeah, um, R-A-I-N-N dot O-R-G org on the internet uh do we have the hotline yeah uh toll-free hotline 24 hours 800-656-HOPE so that's 800-656-4673 those are both great resources have them in your phone 
uh, have them ready. And if your if your sister needs to talk to somebody, say I have just the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's great. That's that's fantastic. Uh, but past that, listen and sympathize. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know, I think. One of the things that that we often struggle with and that I think male people often struggle with is you want to be the hero. You want to be the one that fixes it. You want to be the knight in shining armor. Yeah, and and off of that, I think a lot of times when we hear something that's so overwhelming and we feel like we wouldn't even know where to start, Mm. there's a tendency for us to be back on our heels and try and diffuse the situation. Mm. Like... Maybe this didn't happen. Are you sure you remember this mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. that that gets into like you're saying, saying the opposite or the right yep. thing. So I think there there is that sense of you want to be the hero, but but sometimes that can lead to making it worse. Well, and to piggyback right off what you're saying, oftentimes the urge to be the hero uh, coincides strongly with with the urge to not have to deal with overwhelming feelings the way Glenn yep. is right. talking about, which can lead to bad things in trying to find solutions that are not necessarily to address giving your sister the best possible rest of a life she can have, but making you not feel uncomfortable now. Yeah. Right. And that's when things like pushing for, we'll go to the cops. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of like, in, you know, in the old cartoons, it's like you have a wound over here, so I'll grab a mallet and hit myself over the head. It's just, you're, you're over, overwhelming yourself with, with this anger and response, and, and that's just a whole different set of feelings. And that's for you, not her. That's yeah. right. That's yeah, very that's good a, point. That's exactly right. So here, here's what that means. Your sister is talking to you because she wants to talk to her brother. She's, mm. she's not talking to you expecting you to be a professional counselor. She's right. not expecting you to be a law enforcement professional. She's not expecting you to be a medical professional. She's talking to you as her brother. Right. Um, the, uh, on some fundamental level, the thing she wants to know is, does my brother love me? Does he have my back? So make it clear, I love you and I have your back. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. You can, not only can you do that, you're the only person that can do that. You right. are the mm-hmm. only person that can reassure her your brother loves you and has your back. Right. So that's your calling in this moment. Do that, do it well, do it with all your heart, and you'll have given her the greatest gift you possibly can. It's all very good stuff and a very difficult topic. I want to make sure we, we don't uh, do something that we call up here in the, in the ministry in Chicago, starting in the middle. We made some assumptions about you, uh, dear writer of a question, because <laughs> you listen to the podcast. You're probably a good dude. Uh, we want to be clear about some things, though, both for you and for anyone else who's in this situation or anyone else who's gone through what your sister has. Uh, uh, s- abuse of any kind, in this case we're talking about sexual abuse, is never in any way the abused's fault. Ever. Right. If you were so drunk you don't have any memory of it, naked, in someone's bed, in the middle of intercourse— and said no, and they kept going, you are as much of a sexual assault survivor as someone who was knocked down in an alley by a stranger. This That's is right. a binary situation. Yeah. So, A, we have to understand that because that needs to be the number one thing that is guiding the way we deal with everything else. As, right. as Glenn is pointing out, you don't want to uh, have your discomfort with the fact that such a thing could happen in a world you used to think was safe and predictable, lead to you asking questions about what people were wearing and drinking. It doesn't right. matter what they were wearing or drinking. That's right. Again, if they had a handle of Everclear with a T-shirt that had please sexually assault me written on it, that doesn't change anything yep. about That's that right. this is a terrible thing that happened to them that they did not have any part of. Right. We want to be clear that there's no such thing as soul ties. There's no such thing as damaged goods. Yep. Yes. And speaking personally, if I get one more email from a poor sexual assault survivor who thinks no one will ever marry her because she has soul ties to a rapist, I may drive to Maryland and punch someone just dead in the mouth. Yeah. And you will have company. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. So, but on, that's on the Christian tip. We want to be clear that everything about Jesus restoring and new life and all that and a 100, 1,000% applies to sexual assault survivors. There's no, well, this may, you don't go into, well, this may make future relationships. We have to do a thing. No, 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 no. Right now, Jesus still thinks the same of you. I still think the same of you. Yep. Nothing about who you are fundamentally as a person has changed. That's right. These are the kind of kind of these are just a couple of kind of baseline things before you say anything. And women are used to men thinking slowly, so well, you're yes, fine on that. Okay. Take a second and say, right. and run it through your brain and say, is the thing I'm about to say does it reflect the fact? That nothing has changed about my sister and mine or Jesus's eyes, and that this was in no way her fault. Right. And, and, and to 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 build on what you're saying, it's okay to say 
I have no idea what to yes. say right yes. now. Yes, exactly. All I know is I love you. All I know is I want to support you. I have no idea how or what that looks mm -hmm. like, but we'll figure it out. I'll yes. Google it. Something. Sure. Well, uh, and that's worth pointing out. If you go to if you go to Rain or a similar thing, there are resources for family members yeah, and friends exactly of people right. that sexually assaulted. Yeah. That is that's good stuff. Yeah. People at Rain know what they're doing. If you right. don't know what to do. This is a, a very important first do no harm situation. Yep, that's right. If you're not 100% that, that the thing you're going to say is going to communicate love and acceptance, keep it brief and then offer yep. ice cream or yep. caramel or whatever they like. Yep. And that's an important thing, too. It's, it's well, the point we'll close out on. There are going to be times, and this doesn't feel particularly, as we're talking about problem solving or even ministerial, but it super is. There are probably going to be times, as Jed's saying, where what she wants to do is talk to her brother. There are going to be times where she what she wants to do, uh, where some, what someone wants to do is spend a couple of hours a day, a week, whatever, uh, just acting like this didn't happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you were their counselor, you you might have a point in telling them that's that may not be healthy, and we need to look at that. If they're your brother. If they say, "Hey, let's go to the let's go to the movies, let's go to the park, let's hang out, whatever," and they, they don't bring it up. Don't bring it up. Yeah, right. That's right. your role in that day. And again, this, mm -hmm. this is one thing that male type persons are not super great at. That it's time to um, summon all your abilities, and we believe in you, and we want to help. You can do that and take someone else's lead. You are not mm -hmm. in any way driving this situation, which right. is actually good news because, as we, as Jed pointed out, you don't need to be an expert. You don't need to be a counselor. You need to be the guy who's there to hang out and have fun or be a shoulder to cry and all things you're very capable of doing. Mm -hmm. uh, as we, as all these guys pointed out, it's the, the point we'll close on. It's worth repeating. Probably the worst thing you can do in a lot of these situations is try to do too much too fast. Yeah. Let the other person lay the groundwork, be there to be supportive. You absolutely have the ability to do that. We believe in you and we are, have your back. You can always write in if you have more questions. All right. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, the bridge, Chicago Tumblr, Dot com. We're going to take out the song this week. We're uh, dealing with a lot of things this week that are kind of uh, thinking problems, kind of, um, you know, not understanding an analogy or how to move on from something and God conceiving things different. We do this. This is one of Jed's worship songs I like a lot. It's called Your Thoughts Are Not My Thoughts. This is recorded live at the bridge. We're going to take out with that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. To say that podcast, flame throwing Robo Glenn into the future. Still